Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 287 of the podcast. It is September 6th, 2017. Joining me today is another returning guest. Uh, he previously joined us in episode 198. He is Harry Kenworthy. We're talking today about his book, which is being released on Friday, titled Lean Government Now, Increase Service, Capacity, and Employee Engagement While Reducing Costs and Waste. You can pre-order the book now on Amazon. You get $5 off if you pre-order before the release on the 8th, so you've got maybe just a little bit of time to do that. You can also get a free bonus Lean Educational video sent to you by sending a copy of your receipt to Harry via email. You can find a link for that and a link for the book and all sorts of other things if you go to the page for this episode at leanblog.org slash 287. Harry was also a contributor to our collaborative book project, Practicing Lean, which is now available in audiobook format. Go to www.practicinglean.com to learn more about that. But back to Harry's book, Lean Government Now. There's a really good endorsement blurb for the book from Dean Schroeder, one of the authors of some of my favorite books on Kaizen and improvement. Um, Dean says, uh, in part, that Harry Kenworthy delivers a much needed book on how to improve the day-to-day operation of government. So um, you can read more of the endorsement blurbs from Jeff Liker and others, uh, again, by going to the website. Uh, personally, I've, uh, I've been involved in, I guess you would say, some government healthcare organizations in a couple of countries, but I've never delved into um, other parts of government. You know, I'm glad Harry and others are doing so. You know, it seems like a really big challenge, but an important and necessary one. You know, we're seeing some examples of success with lean at the local and state levels around the U.S., uh, uh, it seems. Uh, I hope we see more of that. Uh, you, m- you might remember, if you are a regular listener, episode 210, I had Daryl Damron and Holly Jensen on the podcast from the state of Washington talking about their lean efforts there a couple of years ago, and, and that work is still going strong. So I hope you enjoy our discussion here, whether you work in government or whether uh, you vote, pay taxes, use government services, or all of the above. So um, again, you, know, you can go to leanblog.org slash audio 286. Harry, hi. Thanks for being a guest on the podcast again. Thanks for joining us. Mark, it's really great to be with you again. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so it's been three years since our last, our first episode, our first podcast together. I'd uh, suggest people, if you want, go check out episode 198. Um, so, you know, gave a good background into yourself and, and your career and some of your work with Lean and Government. Um, but, you know, today let's let's talk about some of the things that are new. Let's talk about uh, your book, uh, Lean Government Now, if you want to kind of give the overview uh, about the book and how it came to be. Yeah, it's uh, it really came to be based on uh, our work really is kind of morphed into government starting. Uh, I mean, our consulting work really changed in about 2008, 2009 with the advent of the recession. So there was a lot of need for government to um, help themselves out as far as balancing their budgets. They have to balance their budget. Uh, of course, with the exception of the federal government. So uh, the demand was out there to do some things differently. And there were some examples that were already in existence 
that were going on with lean throughout the country. So we saw a real uptick in interest, and we had done some work previously with a couple cities. So that really uh, got us moving into government. And our focus right now over the last, uh, well, we got now nine years, time flies. Uh, nine years has been focused on government at the uh, federal agency, state, um, city, county, K through 12 education levels. And as we were doing this work and everything, our clients kept asking us, well, you know, there's, there's a real need out here for something and focused on government. Why don't you publish something? Why don't you publish something? And, and as you know, when you're embroiled in all sorts of other activities, including consulting, speaking, those types of things, getting a book done took some time. So this is yeah. about a two-year labor of love that finally came to fruition. And um, I'm kind of happy about it. Looking forward to it. Yeah, well, it's exciting that you're uh, at that point of launching. I'm sure writing probably uh, consumed more than a few weekends. And uh, that was the case when I did Lean Hospitals. It was a nights and weekends activity. Oh, yeah, a lot of time, a lot of rewrites, uh, drafts. Uh, you know the story well. It, yeah. it, it's quite a bit of time. Yeah, well, generally, yeah, the, the opportunity for, uh, for Kaizen is before the book is actually formally published. Before you go through product development. Uh, iterations. Um, so who is the book intended for? I mean, you mentioned already uh, different levels of, of government, at least within the, the U.S. structure. Um, who, who do you anticipate the, the readers are going to be where the interest is going to come from? Well, it'll be interesting to find out. I mean, we, you know, we have, uh, you know, currently activities going on in 22 states right now, either at the state agency levels or cities or counties or even uh, K through 12, large K through 12 schools. So the interest level, um, we hope is across a broad range of those activities. Uh, we've been in contact with some of the state aid, state lean initiatives, the key people there that are directing it. And, uh, they have a high level of interest. So, uh, and I think it, it's a couple things. One, it's, it's a really non-traditional book. I mean, we do cover a lot of government examples, but within the book, it's, it's structured more as a training and uh, facilitation manual to really and basically set up a lean structure and set up a lean government initiative. So in that sense, it's more of a bulleted format as opposed to a, uh, a format which is more paragraphs. And, but there's a lot of examples for government. Um, so there is the government aspect to it, but beyond that, uh, aside from the government examples that are in there, everything that's in that book is relevant for anybody that's starting a lean initiative. We spend a little bit of time on the strategic end of it, the Hoshin Conry, uh, but in reality, most of the time we're spending is on uh, setting up the tools, activities, uh, setting up the infrastructure, you know, how do you get in place from a government sta governance standpoint. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of chapters in there. I don't know if it'd be helpful to just touch base on them real quick or not. Well, sure. I mean, what, what are, I mean, I'm curious if you can, um, as you're doing that, kind of elaborate when you say it's a non-traditional book. Are you saying it's it's more, uh, it's sort of a, an action guide as opposed to being uh, just a bunch of, you know, the, the usual lean theory recast in the context right. of government? Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, Mark. It, it really is an action guide. So, it will take you through step by step in there what you need to do to put in place a lean initiative. What you need to do as far as training people, what you need to do as far as, you know, really implementation. So it is 
very specific in terms of steps you need to take. <clears throat> we cover leadership. Uh, we talk, you know, a chapter on leadership. We got a chapter on change management with some key tools in there. Uh, we have a chapter on customers with some key tools there. We talk about benchmarking, which is <clears throat> kind of unusual in government. We don't see a lot of that, and yet government has a tremendous opportunity to learn from other government entities. Um, we obviously talk about the traditional things from a lean standpoint, like eliminating waste with a lot of government examples and 5S activities. We talk about problem solving, once again, with the steps to go through there. Um, emphasizing one of the things we see very, very seldom in lean books is having good measurement systems. Um, so we, we cover that too, along with what we call as dynamic data collection techniques. So how do you get data on a daily basis that your actual employees are collecting the, the actual data in a kind of a graphical display format so they can look at what's there and actually start saying, hey, I think I know what's causing this. I think I know uh, what might be a good countermeasure to try. Um, obviously, we're covering process mapping, value streams, solar mapping, spaghetti mapping, uh, a lot on standard work and training within industry and there in terms of how to set up the training manuals. Uh, we do cover project charter, how to set up project charters, how to develop them, and how to select project charters and project selection criteria. Got some state metrics guides in there from California and, and Connecticut. Uh, big chapter on Kaizen, which is the Kaizen event with a step-by-step pre-event work for standard work and a actual event standard work guidelines along with daily huddles mm -hmm. and what we call dynamic idea generation, which is a lot to do with how do you get employees engaged to develop ideas and it's nothing to do with a suggestion system yeah and it's also not uh events it's more of a daily improvement process oh yeah oh yeah absolutely yeah uh but it's, it requires a lot of work to get that moving in the right direction and we, we're good friends with alan robertson and dean schroeder and they wrote written a couple of good books on ideas you know, ideas are free and the idea generation book they've got a new one coming out pretty soon too oh so, what's what's the new book i uh, i'm not exactly I, sure what the title is going to be yet i think they're going to have some focus on government examples in there because we have we have information from some of our clients and what i've given to them that it's going to be in the book uh but i'm not exactly sure on the title yet it's probably okay. going to be out uh i'd say early part of next year right now because yeah. i i love uh robinson in Schroeder's books, I, I, had, I interviewed Alan Robinson in episode 217 of the podcast here for anyone who wants to go and, uh, and take a listen to that or, or go check out um, that most recent book. There was, uh, again, that was the idea driven driven organization yeah. organization. So um, how, how are you seeing, you know, in the past three years since we've talked, is there increased interest in lean and government, I mean, how, how would you, I mean, I'm asking a question where it's maybe hard to generalize because there's so many different layers and levels of, uh, of government, but what, what are some of the trends you're seeing? Yeah, I think there are certainly more people out there are seeing in government that this is not a fad or some kind of imaginator, imagination um, story that's out there, that there are actual a lot of examples and we highlight those on our website. We have a web, a web page that dials into uh, what are the uh, what we view as vetting um, sites that are on there under our Lean Projects um, tab. Has got Lean Government websites, 
And we vet these uh, these sites, and we talk to the individuals that are involved, and a lot of them contact us to update the information that's on there. So we, in essence, act as a national clearinghouse also to provide information that people can link into. And, you know, I suspect on there, if you went into the specific sites and drilled into them, you'd be into, for example, over a 1,000 Kaizen events that people could look at, too. So it's a great way to benchmark, too. Is kind of is this a repository of uh, what was covered in in those events? Is that what you mean? Well, you would have to drill into the particular state or local sites, and then continue to drill into the within those sites. You can say you could ask for a search on a particular event. Did they do anything on say uh, public works or uh, social services? Or you can actually, maybe on the site itself, some of them actually have a listing of all the events that they've done uh, this year and previous years, too. So by department, by agency, that type of thing. So there's there's a great repository of information there. And, um, and what's that website? What's that URL for people who want to go and check that out? Yeah, our, our website is uh, Lean Government Center. Lean, L-E-A-N, Gov, G-O-V, Center, C-E-N-T-E-R. That's all one word, dot com. Yeah. And I'll, I'll link to that in, uh, in in the show notes there. So, okay. Uh, and and we'll, I, we'll delve into some examples here. Um, you know, different levels. Um, one thing I was going to ask I me mean, is, is all the work that you do based uh, in the United States, and do you see uh, people using lean and government in other countries? Yeah, it's being used in other countries. We have a very strong relationship with the United Kingdom. Uh, their accountability office over there has uh, been doing a lot of good work on the lean side of things. And two of the individuals there, in fact, one of the individuals there is the National Audit Office. That's on our website, too. You can link into that. Uh, one of the key individuals from the National Audit Office was assigned to the United Nations in New York City for a couple of years. And he was telling me, boy, can they really do some work on lean there? <laughs> <laughs> Just a tremendous amount of opportunities at the U.N. Mm-hmm. Um and we're also we have some linkages into Australia, and Canada is doing quite a bit of work too. Yeah. Uh, now there is other there are other organizations that are focusing on benchmarking, and in that sense, uh, that's more broad broader base. So you get even in the uh, say United Emirates or Saudi Arabia or Singapore places like that, there are uh, benchmarking activities going on, and sometimes there's lean linkages into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we are actually in contact with uh, one organization in Russia who's uh, been doing work over there with lean government too, lean mm-hmm. in general and lean government. Yeah. Now, I'm curious, you know, say an organization like the UN, uh, boy, I wonder how, how, how would they define value and who is their customer? Is it the member countries? <laughs> is it citizens of the world? I wonder how they would define that within the context of lean. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> if they were to ask you, hey, Harry, you're an expert in lean government, what would you, how would you recommend they translate those concepts? Well, I think it comes down to one of the chapters in our books talk about, you know, customers. You know, what do the customers really want? And you know, it's not it's not too exotic. I mean, the things that they're looking for. So, I mean, if you can focus on that, I mean, this, one of the studies that was done in Canada they said, okay, what do, what do customers really want? And, you know, is, is this really you know, exotic? They want timeliness. They want to get, you know, can they get satisfied with getting the, the job done on time with good service? They want to know that people on the staff of the organization are, are very knowledgeable. 
they sure as hell like to see people go the extra mile to do some work and, and get them their, the thing they are looking for as a customer as opposed to being kind of nasty to deal with and you know trying to blow the customer off. They want to know they're being treated fairly, uh, and certainly they want to get what they you know what they wanted at, at the end of the deal. Yeah. So, well, you've you've already sort of answered the one follow up question I was going to ask when you talked about those different goals. I was going to ask, you know, you mentioned early on, uh, you know, after the recession, cost focus. Are there other goals uh, other than just cost cutting? And it sounds like yeah, there definitely are, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's obviously, I think I think the major things, I mean, we emphasize in the title of the book is service, greater service, the ability to have greater capacity to provide more things for the greater good of people, and a much higher level of employee engagement. So, you know, if you look at the Gallup survey on employee engagement nationally, it's, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of, uh, I want to say, 30 to 32 percent of all employees when they take this Gallup survey say, you know, we're fully engaged, mm-hmm. which is a pretty sad commentary. So I think <laughs> right. uh, when we work with clients on lean and, and the lean activities and the initial surveys after that, we've seen the in, engagement surveys go up to 45 to 50 percent, which is a pretty substantial increase. Yeah. Yeah, and you know that those engagement numbers are always sad when those surveys come out, and there's a fairly universal challenge across um, across sectors. So let's let's talk about um, developing people, developing leaders. You know, uh, you you partnered with us, uh, the the team at Kinexus, to do a webinar on uh, what you called the ten, the ten commandments of Lean. So I would encourage people um, to do uh, right. a search for that. Google search, I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, but in that webinar, you quoted uh, a VP from Toyota, and I'll just read the quote here and then get your reactions and ask you to elaborate on it. Um, the Toyota VP said, the most important thing for Toyota is people. Toyota is all about teaching and training people and building a culture of continuous improvement. So I was wondering if, if you would share some of your thoughts of that. And, you know, are there some governmental organizations at some level who um, have made great progress in, in creating that culture? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, certainly there are. Uh, we, we see, I mean, unfortunately, in, in the world of lean and consulting and training and all that stuff, a lot of times the leaders don't get it, and it's basically delegated to train some people in the organization to learn how to do some Kaizen events or uh, do some initial training. There's not the organizational structure that's set up to support it. There's not the top-down commitment and involvement in training themselves. So unfortunately, and uh, as one of the things we put in our book, uh, reasons lean fails, uh, it's a high failure rate, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, but in terms of the people side of things, we have we've seen great examples. I mean, if you look at, I think the uh, one of the best agencies we've seen in the country is the Washington uh, State of Washington Department of Enterprise Services. Um, they have an awesome facility. Uh, Chris Liu, who's the basically director there, is he doesn't have an office. I mean, he literally comes in in the day and. If there's somebody's office that isn't occupied, he kind of sets up shop <laughs> yeah. there with his laptop. But the rest of the time, he's doing a lot of walking around. I mean, he's a real uh, Gemba guy going to where the work is really done. And the visual aspects of that organization, and they do huddles there with employee engagement. And their huddle levels are, I think right now, last I knew, there are well over 100 different huddles a day. 
that are going on in that agency. Um, so this is a, you know, it's, it's based on really great leadership. Uh, Ken Guy, who's another good guy, <laughs> sorry for the pun, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but Ken is, uh, he's basically the director of the finance organization in the state of, uh, well, in, in King County, which is Seattle area. It's the mm-hmm. finance business and operations division. Once again, a lot of good work that's been done, value stream mapping, um, a lot of visual controls, high employee engagement, and, and Ken is a, a, just a wonderful leader too. And, and we just completed a, an engagement. Well, we're not exactly complete yet, but we did a lot of work with the Des Moines, Iowa school system. I mean, here you got you know 5,000 employees and over 33,000 students. And between uh, Tom Ahart, who's the superintendent, and Thomas Harper, who's the finance director, or chief of finance there, essentially a, a CFO for a corporation, um, they've been able to uh, have a, a really excellent effort going on there. That's, you know, we did a lot of lean leadership training there that was, you know, including 360 interviews and coaching and using Kata methodology and, you know, teaching everybody how to understand and remove waste and understand how to solve problems. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, uh, there's not too many of those instances out there. Most of the things you see is somebody wants you to come in and uh, go ahead and let's train uh, train some yellow belts for us. Let's do some training for uh, a couple weeks and run it through a certification program. And, and you know, they're doing that in an environment that is not – that's not business as usual. So the ability for that to be sustained is, I think – really very poor it may happen on rare occasions somebody up above gets it but otherwise sad so yeah and i see this uh in other settings the focus the assumption uh is you know the uh the problem is the employees uh the executives are awesome so therefore you need to give training or certified belts at the frontline staff level um and, and, and that seems like a tough discussion to try to have with, with somebody to say, hey, you, you need to be there. You need to participate. I mean, have you found any strategies that are more successful in trying to bring uh, an executive to the table when, when they think they don't need to be directly involved? Well, we've done these two-day boot camps for multiple years across uh I don't know how many clients, and in each case, when we go into them, we have an assistance the top management has to attend. And if they don't attend, we'll walk away. Now, you know, obviously, when we do that, there's other organizations that are offering consulting services that they'll just wind <laughs> up selling training. Yeah. I mean, let's just do the training so we can get some revenue. Uh, we're concerned with sustainable success. And we know, unless we get that top management team to to attend uh, and we just we did that in Phoenix I mean we just had a large engagement with Phoenix where you know all the top management team of Phoenix attended they attended a one-day boot camp we structured it specifically for them and then there was two days for their what we call the coaching team who we trained to do what we do so they can now start embedding it in the organization but help them set up a you know steering structure steering committee those types of things so um, yeah, I mean, doing that, you got to you got to turn on the light bulbs in the executives' minds as far as what's going on and what Lean is all about. Have them practice in a in a workshop environment, and then uh, we insist that they attend all Kaizen report out events too, because that kind of 
reinforces what happened you know in the kaizen but it also causes them to say hey wait a minute what they did there i could actually do in my particular department so it's those types of things that are really going to drive uh, sustainable success and it, it's tough to get the attention of top management that we we try and be very insistent upon that mm -hmm. and i'd say with rare exception we're extremely successful yeah well, and, you know, you, you, you talk about that scenario where you might choose to walk away. And, and I appreciate that, you know, you're, you're looking for good results. I'm, I'm sure, you know, as a consultant, referrals, word of mouth matters a great deal. And that tends to come from uh, great results. And, you know, it also seems to be, uh, you know, sort of an expression of taking the long term perspective, you know, principle one. You know, I'm preaching to the choir here with, with you and the listeners, but, you know, principle one of the Toyota Way framework from Toyota and Jeff Liker uh, says to make decisions for the long term perspective, even at expense of the short term. So the scenario you raise is an interesting one. Well, in the short term, someone might say, well, hey, I, I need or want the revenue. Uh, maybe we can fix <laughs> the, uh, the issue with leadership participation down the road. It sounds like you're in a position where you're you're able to kind of hold to that principle and that long term view, right? Well, we certainly try. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah none none of us are, are, are uh, yeah, no, no one's perfect on on that front, right? We all know we all know what the challenges are. But on the other hand, you know, I'll, I'll speaking of various conferences and in organizations and people, and we touch on this in the book too, from a leadership perspective. People will say, geez, you know, I can't do any of this stuff because my city manager, county manager, uh, state agency director, uh, school superintendent isn't going to, you know, do anything and they don't get it and all that stuff. I said, well, you know, our definition of a leader is anybody who has people work, you know, reporting to them or working with them on their team. So you can impact that team. So you're a leader in that sense. And, yeah. you know, you would like to believe that as you're achieving success that other people around you will start to take notice and maybe you can actually migrate some stuff both laterally, uh, horizontally and vertically in the organization. But that's much longer than if the top team gets it and is driving it. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've seen the same thing. And, you know, this I shared some perspectives in uh, the book Lean Hospitals. And even uh, just the other day, I was in um, Iowa at a healthcare event for the Iowa Lean Consortium. And someone asked a question. There was uh, a very engaged uh, hospital president there, uh, Jim Fitzpatrick, talking about, you know, really owning that lean transformation at an executive level. And, and somebody asked him a question. Well, what can we do if we don't have an, is, uh, an executive that's as engaged? And well, you know, like I shared in the book, I mean, you know, you, you can do what you can, you know, within your scope and span of control, span of influence. And like you said, you know, it, it could spark the interest of, of others and, and, and get executives involved. And, and sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, you've got some good experience on your resume to go and find a job that right. know, a place that maybe has more supportive leadership. Yeah. So, yeah, the follow on is exactly that. So when we talk to guys, they, they come up and say, well, you know, I can do all this stuff and I've been doing this stuff. But, you know, in, in terms of implementing lean, we got a very successful team. We're having huddles. We solve problems. Uh, we understand waste and all that stuff. But my management team doesn't get it. What should I do? Well, our commentary, my commentary to them is you need to decide. Do you mm -hmm. want to stay there? Because if that's what the environment is and 
and live with that or do you want to take that skill set and, and go elsewhere where you're going to be better appreciated yeah or stick with it and move your way up the ranks until you get to the level yeah yeah get to a senior level because of your success uh in improving government operations right yep um one of the other things you talked about in the webinar in terms of uh, principles or commandments um, is this idea of one-stop shopping which seems to relate more towards you know better service and flow uh, you know for for people who are using government services what, what are some examples of one-stop shopping where you've seen people go from something else you know if you can describe what it is if it's not one-stop shopping what 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 are some examples of uh, lean improvement well, in that I... regard to, to kind of be sensitive to clients because we have to be careful about that. Sure. I think, you know, in, in school systems, we've seen the ability to, you know, bring in new students, register students, and rather than going through <clears throat> multiple stages of the process, with, it's, it's all done. One-stop shopping comes down to a simple definition is I walk up to somebody, I need a service done, that person in front of me can engage and do the complete service and, and provide me with the output while I'm there as opposed to multiple handoffs uh let's go down you know go down to this department they might be able to handle that you go down there and that department says oh no we don't do this aspect you'll have to go over there so the more you can integrate that into the one-stop shopping so the the registration of students uh we've seen things like for example uh you, you need to have a, a teacher moving from one i'm talking about schools right now you need to have a teacher moving from one district or one school system school in the system to another and how do you do all the asset transfers and you know make sure their computer is all set all that stuff uh, onboarding processes come up that way you know how, how are you ready so that when the person hits the ground running there's one interface with them and all the onboarding information is available uh, motor vehicle department how do you walk in the door and, and walk up to the window and that person can handle everything for you as opposed to, okay, uh, you got this part done. Now you're going to have to go down to window B <laughs> right. yeah. and, and have them take your picture. And then you have to go window C, you know, all, all that stuff. So it, it's the more you can drive it there. And I, so conceptually, I mean, conceptually, I, we have a lot of sincere, you know, hardcore beliefs. And one of them is this one-stop shopping. Think in terms of how do we service this customer with one person, one stop, right in front of them, and get the thing done. Yeah. And then there's another one, obviously, which is fundamental. How do you get it right the first time? You know, how do you, how do you wind up getting somebody to walk in the door and do transact, do the transaction, and everything's right the first time? And uh, we had an example in a social service agency and uh, the SNAP program, which is food stamps. Uh huh where you know, people would come in applying for a supplemental nutrition program, <clears throat> applying for essentially food stamps, and they would come into the agency and they would fill out a one-page form and leave it there, but nobody at the regional sites would interface with that particular customer. And, and then you find out later when you're, you're concentration mapping the actual one-page forms that are coming in dynamically uh, by the people in the agency that in some cases, we saw as high as 77% error rates in a one-page form. Because mm, the, the information is not right. So what happens if it's not right? Well, you got at least at the time, you had a 45-day mandate to register these people to the SNAP program if they came in the door with, with their form. 
And now you go beyond that. Now you got the federal government concerned why it's taking so long. And, you know, you got to track the person down. Well, maybe they have a phone, maybe they have a cell phone. You know, maybe, you know, how do you track them down? So all that is real work, you know, fixing errors, all that stuff. One-stop shopping, another example, is uh, an adjudication process for, uh, you, you get situations where, believe it or not, you, know, you get car dealerships, for example, that are essentially doing bad stuff. They're keeping money that should be turned over to the state. So you bring them in for a hearing, and you got the, uh, the adjudication officer there with a hearing, and he's got 90 days to render a judgment. So in 90 days, they can still be doing bad stuff. So working with the agency, we said, well, how, how much of the time do you think when they're having that adjudication hearing that that adjudicate? And oh, by the way, who hires the adjudication person? Well, we do as the agency. Oh, so they're actually kind of your subcontractor employee. So how much of the time on these adjudications do they think they could render a judgment on a given day? And they say, well, yeah, probably 85, 90 percent. Hmm. Well, if you know that, <laughs> right. why don't you just do it that day? So they moved to that day. I mean, so you take a 90-day process. I went down to one day off. Wow. At rendering the judgments so that now you got things being done, the judgments being rendered. The bad actor is not out there you know, doing stuff for another 90 days or whatever. Yeah. And all the, by the way, the adjudication guy doesn't have to dust off his notes 45, 70 days later and say, hmm, let's see, what the heck was going on in this hearing? And, uh, gee, i got to render a judgment, and uh, here's what the judgment's going to be. So it's those types of examples. I mean, yeah. the, the opportunities are huge. It sounds like it. Um, you know, when you talk about school district, uh, my hometown district in uh, Michigan, the uh, Detroit suburbs, Livonia Public Schools, has been, you know, doing some lean projects over the past few years. i I have uh, not contributed to that directly, uh, but I, I had a chance to go and visit once because I heard about what they were doing. And they, they talked about single one-stop one shopping where they said the old process was if a family moved into the district and they had children who were elementary school age, middle school age, high school age, it would be three separate trips to go register the three different sure. kids. And yeah, then yeah. finally, yeah. you know, from a customer focus standpoint and what's easiest for the customer, they, they made that a single point of registration because they really because they had been thinking things uh, they thinking about things in the past from uh, the school silo perspective instead of looking at it from the customer perspective of of course you would rather just go to one location and even if you fill out three forms for three kids you're not having to drive to three different schools it, it makes perfect sense right absolutely absolutely so there's and um, you know that challenge um, Things you know seem obvious in hindsight. What what are some other? Um, you have any other you know favorite examples of you know helping open people's eyes um, to seeing waste that that seems obvious in hindsight. You know when that had been just well, that's the way we've always done things. Yeah, we had a you know a lot of situations in customer service call center type areas, but one customer service area. Uh, they were handling uh, customer complaints that were coming in, and they, they were way behind. There were four people in, in the group, uh, just all sorts of backlog. A lot of calls were coming in and saying, hey, when are you going to handle this? When are you going to handle this? 
And the first thing we did is, uh, we do this a lot, is what, what does the law or statute say you have to do? And you know, over time, this stuff morphs into something else. It becomes, uh, you know, somebody told, I told Mark, here's what you're supposed to do when you come on this job as a verbal thing. And then Mark later on told Jack how to do it and Mary and, you know. Mm. And before you know it, you got a process that's so far astray from what the intent was. So in that particular process, we said, what, what, is, the, what is the agency really supposed to do? And when they looked at it, said, oh, my God, you know, more than half the stuff we're doing shouldn't be handled by us at all. Oh. <laughs> this should be handled through a small claims court type of process. Oh. Yeah, so in like a fairly quick month or so, four people became two. Way past due, it became on time. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Multiple examples, things like that. Do you, do you find, um, I mean, you talked earlier about Kaizen events and, uh, you know, I, I, there's a time and a place for that, of course. There's a time and a place for uh, larger projects, um, you know, the uh, dynamic idea approach, daily improvement, uh, different terms for that. Um, yeah, I think it all fits together. And, and I'm curious you know, for one, your thoughts on how those different levels of improvement fit together. And, and secondly, you know, do you find, is there a bias towards projects in government settings? Well, I think there's a, you know, I think the answer to that is a huge bias towards Kaizen events. Yeah. I think people, well, because there's a I think it all comes down to there's a lack of understanding in terms of what lean is all about, what it entails and everything. So as a result of that, you wind up with people, you know, they see some Kaizen events or they attend some uh, project report outs that, you know, Kaizen events are being covered and everything. And they come away with a thing, hey, all we got to do is pull together a team, we assign them to a project, we knock the heck out of it, we have great success and we just done lean. And uh, un unfortunately, uh, that's a very dominant factor out there right now. Um, and it's tough to it's tough to get around because you'll see it from a government standpoint. You'll see uh, quotes, quote packages, and everything that have to do with, you know, Kaizen events. Yeah, yeah, and and that's what and they're that, at, that that's what yeah. they're asking for, and you have to try to steer them. Yeah, so we we just we just provided one right now, which was Kaizen events. So we we provided the Kaizen event approach. In, in the RFQ, but we also said in the initial training, the top management team has to attain, attend the initial training. Anybody that's going to be a project sponsor has to attend the initial training, which would be some kind of a manager role. And here's the quote. And then off to the side, there's several other columns that say, we highly recommend huh. <laughs> that you do this yeah. and this and this. And whether they do it or not, uh, you know, but sometimes once you get, I mean, sometimes a lot of times once you get the foot in the door and you're working on the other stuff, you, you get a much more, um, I think, enlightened, uh, engaged management that starts to say, hmm, maybe maybe these guys from the outside really do know what they're talking about. Maybe we ought to do some of this stuff. And, and that's how you kind of morph that way. But in, in a lot of those cases that because of government winds up becoming another quotation process. Yeah, and, and imagine some of it's just a matter of uh, you know building a relationship over time. There's there's an expression from the consulting world, you know, uh, the trusted advisor. You know, and, and it that, that, that takes some time uh, before somebody uh, builds up that trust and uh, is willing to 
kind of shift their direction or uh, you know help them discover a different way of approaching lean right yeah and and you wind up you'll have you know it's it's the same thing we see in the lean leadership thing and in jim collins is good to great if you get if you got leaders at the top that are you know they have a high humility and high will i mean guys like chris Liu and washington state um department of enterprise services and ken guy and 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 then the folks in des moines iowa school system when you get people like that then it becomes easier to have that dialogue and everything but you also run into what we call a bright person's disease hmm. where you have people that are very smart and went to great colleges and believe that they, you know, if they haven't heard about it or anything, then, uh, you know, it can't be good or, or the other end of it will wind up and somebody will say, oh yeah, we know all about lean. <laughs> right. And uh, you know, once you get past the fact that this is not a property lean, <laughs> it's lean, <laughs> right. uh, you, but- you, you still have to deal with those type of situations and uh you know so once again finding great leaders is such a uh, such a huge challenge but when you get them boy it's wonderful yeah yeah and that's and that's why earlier and i'll, I'll mention it again for people to check out your website lean government center uh lean as you know i think everyone listening to the podcast knows but it's not l-i-e-n <laughs> leans that's a different different website if you had to pay a lean i guess but um as we start to wrap up here, and you know, again, we'll mention um, not just uh, your website, Lean Governments, LeanGovCenter.com, and I used to live in Boston, so Government Center just rolls off the tongue. Sorry, but that's, that's mm. what it stands for, LeanGovCenter.com. Uh, the book, Lean Government Now, and and before we talk about that, to wrap up, I, I want to thank you and, and listeners who might not know, you know, since the last podcast, that Harry, you know, thank you for your contribution, your chapter. To our book, Practicing Lean, which is uh, available, uh, practicinglean.com, and all the proceeds of that are being donated to the Louise H. Batts Patient Safety Foundation. And, uh, you know, Harry uh, you know, wrote, wrote a chapter. What does the phrase, I guess the one question I want to ask here, what does the phrase practicing lean mean to you? Well, I think you have to, you know, from a practicing standpoint, I mean, it starts from our end of it, high humility, high will. Uh, and we view leaders, you know, as people that are going to embed and work with their people to develop their skills to identify and remove waste. I mean, we come down to three principles. It's more broader than this, but we kind of summarize in three. Uh, being able to identify and remove waste uh, be able to identify and solve problems, and that's with A3s, uh, could be uh, PDCA, uh, it could be major Kaizen events or whatever, it could be daily idea generation that you're solving a problem, and uh, a high level of coaching environment where people are being coached by their leaders and there's a coaching structure in place that the whole thing is tapping into that Toyota phrase that you quoted earlier, uh, to really develop your people is the most important thing you can do in the organization. That's a huge shift for people because, I mean, when you're talking about being coaches, uh, you know, most of the people in managerial positions have been the folks that tell people what to do or, you know, they, they give the speeches, they give the lectures, they give the edicts, and, and you say, how come people aren't engaged in this? And they go, I don't understand this. I told them about this six months ago. <laughs> And uh, those types of things. So practicing lean is just is just living that kind of, 
you know, people are the most important resource and the high level respect for individuals and developing your people is, I guess that's how I would kind of sum it up. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, we're, we're all living that approach. And I mean, you've, you've been at this a long time, longer than me. And I imagine there's still uh, learning uh, and evolution that comes through your practice of all of this now these days in government, right? Absolutely. Uh, you know, you're, you're delivering a lot of material, but you're, you know, you learn as you go. I mean, there's so much, that's the other fascinating thing about this practice is that, I mean, my background, you know, way back when was in manufacturing up until 2004, but since that time it's been full-time consulting and, uh, you just learn so much, so many fascinating things you couldn't imagine, uh, in government. Oh, oh, people did what, you know, (laughs) how, how did this take place? You mean, uh, we, we just as a quickie, I mean, we did, we just did some work with the city on a thing called private jobs. Uh, private jobs are uh, usually it's mandated in a lot of places, not so much in, uh, in right-to-work states, but in, in the, certainly in the Northeast, that if you have a construction project going on on the street, you have the police department, you know, basically directing traffic, the police cars out there, lights flashing, all that stuff. And... Uh, that's a private job. So the, what's, what normally happens is the contractor, whoever say it's a, a utility company, uh, they pay the city and the, the police department gets paid by the city. So the city gets reimbursed by the contractor, city pays the uh, police officer. So we go through this, looking into this process, and, and we find out that there's like over three quarters of a million dollars of stuff that hasn't been paid yet. Hmm. The city doesn't have a good process to collect, including one of the major Utility companies that owes them over two hundred thousand dollars <laughs> in collecting for private jobs, and we go, well, you know, why can't you? Know, so you know, in a short order, that got resolved, and the process got put together, and and the money was being collected. So you, you got major revenue buckets out there that could be just, and, and so that's stuff you learn about, and you go, wow, <laughs> <laughs> big opportunities. Didn't believe something like that was out there. Yeah, <laughs> never ceases to amaze me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, we could have we we could have the same discussion about <laughs> things that I see and hear about in uh, in healthcare. So, um, and, and you and I have to a degree. So it's yeah. kind of it's, uh, kinda, it's uh, kind of sad the common things that come up. Yeah, but it's great that people are working to improve things and and that you're helping them. And uh, you've got this uh, new book coming out now, Lean Government Now. Uh, where where do you recommend people uh, buy the book? Where can they find it? Well, it's uh, it's on Amazon on a pre order basis right now. It's uh, it's being discounted five dollars, uh, and then with the pre order is is if you pre order it, um, you'll wind up getting the discounted price, and it will also send you uh, some educational video uh, that will be included as kind of a bonus as part of that. And then once it gets launched, which will be, I think, around September 8th, somewhere in that time frame, uh, immediately your pre-orders will be converted to orders, but then the price will go up $5 also. So mm-hmm. it, by pre-ordering now, you save $5 a book. Um, and then in, uh, when it gets officially launched, it'll be $24.95. So Amazon's the place to go. All you have to do is Google in Lean Government, and we'll pop right up there. Yeah. Even but, today. Yeah. So go take a look. Lean Government now. You can find that on Amazon. Uh, Again, our guest here today has been uh, Harry Kenworthy talking about uh, 
We now say, uh, maybe you haven't heard this so many times now, Harry, author Harry Kenworthy <laughs> has a good ring to it, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I can add it to my uh, space on my uh, signature. You got it. <laughs> yeah. So author Harry Kenworthy, author of the book Lean Government Now. Thank you for um, talking about the book and sharing uh, some of your uh, thoughts and experiences here today. Hey, I really appreciate it, Mark, and looking forward to hopefully we get a lot of folks that want to get the book. I hope so. Check it out, everyone. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.